Okay, we are live, and my name is Kelsey, and this is the Curious Clit Podcast, and I'm here today with Kingston McGee, who is my partner. He is a DJ and musician based in LA, and we met about four years ago in San Francisco at a nightclub at a concert, and... We were friends for a while and then became partners in late 2021. Yeah. 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 Can't believe it's been that long, but yes, it's been quite the journey. It has been quite the journey. We are non-monogamous and we've been trying to figure out what that means for each of us along the way, which has been a challenging but beautiful journey. It certainly has. And the, the process definitely has like helped me grow in a lot of ways and also feel a lot of things that um, I feel that sometimes you can, you know, you can only, you can heal certain things alone, but I think sometimes that process also comes with like the shared experience with other people, you know? Yeah, I think there's so much that you can do on your own to work through things, but I think you know, there comes a point definitely where you have to do that healing and relationship and I know for me and I think for you too that's what we we have been doing together in many ways definitely I can agree <laughs> this is my first time recording a podcast and Kingston is this your first time doing a podcast as well it definitely is um, I've recorded voice memos with conversations with other friends but never something like this so I'm excited and I feel honored to be one of your first guests yes I'm very excited you are my first guest and I'm really looking forward to this conversation and definitely feeling a little nervous um yeah we'll we'll (laughs) definitely get through this together just to ask a little bit about like how did you first learn about sex like where were the places that you first started you know understanding what sex was or learning about how it was done no I think the earliest remembrance of or memories of like learning about like sexual intimacy was probably through like movies and tv shows um my parents were those kinds of parents where you know, I had to close my eyes, you know, but like I have ears as well. And so it was always kind of awkward. Um, but I remember as like getting older and understanding like what sex was. Um, I'd feel like moments where my heart was racing because like I couldn't see what was going on, but I could hear what was going on, you know. And so what's after that? Um, you know, just being a kid and being nosy. Um, <laughs> my parents ever heard this podcast and be like, God damn it. But I found my dad's uh, porn, um, little hidden porn stash. And, uh, yeah. Were they, like, magazines or were they videos? There were were some magazines and there was, like, a couple DVDs and um, some VHSs, you know. uh, I can't even (laughs) believe that's how it used to be, the VHSs. But, yeah, I would say when I was, like, like, around 12 or 11, I finally, like, took that risk to like pop them in and and see what happened and like my mind was like 
was blown. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, um, there's a lot to process, you know, and I even feel like even around like masturbation, um, which even that personal story of how that came across was, um, I didn't really masturbate until I was around that age as well. Like I'd found my dad's magazines and stuff when I was younger, but I never knew what to do with them other than just look at them and be like, oh, well, you know, like boobies. Because yeah, I was a teenage boy, but um, I was at a sleepover, and um, my friends were doing some very strange things, and they uh, they brought up masturbation. They're like, "You should try it," you know. And so, I don't know. I just listened to how they did it and what kind of stuff they used. They used lotion, like you know, <laughs> most boys. Um, and so yeah, I think I. I didn't know what I was doing, but it, it felt good. But it was very strange because I, I had to like kind of figure that out on my own and then also like pair that with what they were doing in porn and stuff. And so that's when I learned, you know, how to do like the stroking and just kind of what felt good, you know. Um, and with that came like embarrassing experiences like my mom walking in in the shower. <laughs> and that was like her first time she ever knew that that's what I was doing. Um, and then a couple times I would like leave the lotion next to the toilet and <laughs> I would forget about it. And then my parents would come in and they'd be like, dude, not in the bathroom anymore, dude. Let's do that stuff in your room. Did um, you feel uncomfortable when they were having these conversations with you? Um, I did cause they really didn't like go and I don't think they had the words other than like, well, he'll figure it out himself, but it was more so of like. They were more so talking about like etiquette and just like respecting spaces, you know, like you don't want to be masturbating everywhere, you know, (laughs) (laughs) especially in a shared household. I guess if you live alone, then by all means, you know, (laughs) but yeah. How do you think um, that affected like your later teenage years around sex? Um... I think, I don't think it was like the masturbation or like the sex ed that I was getting from like pornography, but um, I'd say it was more so like my, the way my parents tried to kind of like, I don't know, like almost shelter me from sex and relationships because like I wasn't even allowed to date until I was like 16, you know? And even, like, kissing was, like, a taboo thing, you know? Like, I got caught once and had detention in middle school kissing one of my girlfriends ahead of the time. (laughs) And uh, it was, like, you know, it was one of those, like, we were so young. We were, like, seventh grade. And it was one of those, like, um, just really innocent, like, little peck on the mouth and, like, oh, my God, we kiss kind of thing. (laughs) But our principal happened to be standing behind us and saw that. So um, I would say it was more so that because, yeah, I didn't have didn't really date anyone seriously through high school and I didn't lose my virginity until I was 19 um, and I got to my first duty station when I was in the Air Force and uh, I feel like at that point I definitely like rushed my sexual journey just because I felt like everyone else around me that was like my age and older had already had sex and had been having sex since they were teens you know and it still was like something I was really scared of because the biggest thing that I was more afraid of was um just getting someone pregnant, you know? Yeah. 
And so that's what made me so like hesitant, you know, was always a very like hedonistic boy, but was too afraid and shy to, you know, navigate those waters. Yeah, I think it can be scary for people yeah. with penises to not have a whole lot of control yeah. over that. Did you feel like you received messages from like your peers at school or in the Air Force about having sex that kind of pressured you to just get it over with or um I didn't really feel like they were ever pressuring me um it more so just felt like it was like a FOMO kind of thing like I was missing out you know and then there's only one conversation that comes to mind of uh I had with a coworker where he said uh, one of the women that I was dating after I graduated when we uh broke up he said like that was one of the reasons why because like she probably wanted to be sexual and I was like still like pure Kingston <laughs> like 18 and I'm like oh no <laughs> like let's just watch a movie or look at this music video like you know because I was just really crushing on her and we were in bed but I think looking back on it maybe that's what she wanted but I think she would have just been honest about that and you know we would have talked about that so I don't really think that was like a thing but it wasn't really ever like my friends are ever like pushing me to be like you need to just go have sex bro you know yeah. it's more just a personal feeling of like I was missing out on something yeah so it felt like an experience that you really wanted to have at that time yeah I think I was just ready to like get over that fear as well like you know just being a like for the first time in my life at like 19 in 18 like I was finally on my own and I can explore and see the world through my own lens you know yeah and so that's definitely just the time when I was like all right I think it's time you know and it was a it's a wild experience <laughs> for my first time not in the not in a good way you know is it something that you'd like to talk about or maybe not I mean, we could talk about it I think that like maybe it could be like a reassuring story for others to hear um, but like I just shared with like the whole fear of like getting someone pregnant, um, the partner that I had found on Plenty of Fish was really interesting because like I was 19 alone in my dorm room in the Air Force and just, you know, lonely for sure. And uh, at the time, you know, everyone's using like Tinder and Plenty of Fish and my coworkers at work are like, they were talking about like, oh, if you're really trying to get laid, like you got to get on Plenty of Fish. And so my 19-year-old naive being was like, okay, I'm going to try that. And so I made an account and, you know, I, that was like my intentions is like I wanted to like have sex with someone. And so chatted with a few different women and things and never really meshed with those ones. But then there was one that was like interested in me. And um, at the time, you know, I was just like did not know how to really be more expressive and like we didn't have like the tools and the language about it and I do remember vaguely of like just being upfront of like well, I just kind of want to have sex with you like I don't want to date you know like would you be open to that and she was and I feel like looking back maybe that could be like a red flag you know because like we didn't know each other like we'd only sent like a few messages back and forth and then I just like took the leap and I was like look dude <laughs> I'm trying to have sex you know and uh, she was down, you know, but like, I don't know if it was just like the way I was raised, but when we actually met in person, like, you know, I spent 
like at least the first night when she came over we just got to know each other you know and like just shared like sexual history and like I told her of course like the reasons why I was still a virgin and what things I wanted to like experience and you know kind of just fill the vibes out and then um I think it was like a couple of days later she came back over to my dorm and we finally decided like it was gonna be the night you know and uh it was really awkward because like I was excited you know like I was smiling <laughs> up at her she got on top of me and I had a condom and um she was really weirded out that I was like smiling um so she put like a blanket over my face and you know like fucked me <laughs> but she's like told me and before she did that she's like why are you smiling like stop smiling like it's weird and I was like oh okay like this is like a good moment they're like you're so beautiful and like this is happening and so she put the blanket over me and fucked me, and I didn't really, uh, felt very strange, because it was like, wow, like, I remember thinking, like, so this is the sex, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, before that time, like, I'd never, like, experienced anything with a condom on, so I think that was, like, a different sensation for me as well, with having that barrier in between us, but also, like, there was no real shared intimacy, it was only just, like, we just rushed into this physical thing. And so that was that experience. And she's really amazed that, like, I didn't come really fast. And she's like, are you sure you're a virgin? Like, I came, like, twice and you haven't come at all. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, like, really am. And so then I felt pressured to come. So I was, like, thinking to myself, I was like, oh, I better come, you know. And I came kind of. And I was like, wow, like, I guess that was sex, you know. <laughs> and then we had sex one more time couple weeks later but then we kind of stopped and I tried to like get to know her because like we just shared like these sexual experiences like why not continue to get to know her but over the months I just realized like we just really had nothing in common I wasn't really attracted to her <clears throat> and so I kind of like parted ways with her and that really activated something for her and um she tried to like lie about being pregnant over my Christmas break when I went home and so it's a very big drama of trying to figure out if she was pregnant or not. I had I went and got pregnancy test and we did the whole thing of trying to meet somewhere and that drama lasted for like about about three months and then another three months after that because I got brought up with another person that I was dating at the time of like you know you've got to figure out if this lady's pregnant or not or we can't yeah. date because I just don't want to get in a relationship with something that like that that's going on. Which was very valid. And so that was pretty scarring for the first <laughs> ever experience. <laughs> that sounds really stressful to, you know, have your first sexual experience with someone and then being launched into, yeah, you know, having to wonder if this person is pregnant, if they're being honest with you yeah. and like trying to understand what was happening because it was very confusing, it sounds like. I'm curious, you know, after having that experience and after being raised with parents who, you know, are constantly telling you that, like, if you have sex, you're going to get someone pregnant. And having that fear kind of being around some of your first sexual experiences, like, how did you transition into having less fear and being able to enjoy yourself more? Um, I would say through... Um I would say after that it, w it was definitely my my partner after I had that that who we did become married and afterwards but 
she really helped me understand sexual intimacy and like you know being verbal and how, how what to do how to communicate and you know like what it feels like and also I was deeply in love with her you know and so when we had sex it was like oh wow this is what I've been missing out on and then through that relationship and time um, we just explored a lot of things together yeah. yeah and so I would definitely say that was like a big shaping and like as far as like learning about sexuality and what intimacy is like you mentioned earlier that you had watched porn as a teenager and I'm wondering whether the things that you saw there whether they influenced your experience with sexual intimacy with your partners so I would say that um, I don't know when I was having like those experiences because obviously like still then I was still watching uh, pornography and stuff on my own um, I don't know I guess like I think I was always kind of aware that like this is like being filmed these are actors and actresses you know and so um, I don't know I was never trying to like re-emulate to at least like the full degree of like what they are doing through porn. I've definitely tried certain positions from porn, but never like, I never really took pornography and was like, and through my own, like the realities of like sexual intimacies together. I'm like, oh, that's how I need to perform in the bedroom. Um, I would say the only differences that I did take away from that though was definitely like, um, I was always very self-conscious about like like my penis size and stuff because I would see like such big penises on porn and I'm like you know wow this guy has like a like a like a fucking baby arm you know like <laughs> I do not have that you know and so I remember you know just being vulnerable and asking my ex at that time um, what she thought about that and she's like it doesn't matter like it, what you do feels good what you have is like amazing like like, you don't need to worry about that. And I was just like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so I would say, like, yeah, <clears throat> I guess that feels really good to, like, say out loud of, like, yeah, I, I learned a lot, at least the beginning stages of, like, sexual intimacy through that relationship. And, I don't know, it's really definitely very beautiful, you know. And I think that's also probably instilled the, even more so the, like, how much I hold like my partner's satisfaction, um, it's like very, that's a huge priority priority to me. Whereas now it's like, you know, my perspective of it has changed other than it just being like the goal of mine because, you know, at then I used to prioritize that more so than everything, you know, because I used to think like, I don't know, at those times, like the climax was like the big thing, but it's not, it's more so the whole experience nowadays but then though I was very like eager to want to help and you know definitely please my partner you know and figure out what she likes and what she doesn't like or because that's just the way we started you know and so yeah so yeah. kind of feeling a pressure to achieve her orgasm like help her achieve orgasm yeah definitely because I remember even before we'd even like had sex um, 
we kind of were just like on the bed watching a movie then we started making out and then you know the kisses went from me and kissing her all the way to the down like all the way down to like where her vulva was and we're asking her like is this okay and she said yeah um but i'd never you know performed oral on a woman before but i was like <laughs> super excited because that was something that like i'd always fantasized about um I like what it would taste like what it would be like you know like how does it feel and uh you know i was doing like some things right but i remember her <laughs> stopping me and kind of laughing and being like have you ever done this before and i was like no and she's like well go back down there and i'll tell you how and then i was like okay <laughs> and then i felt her getting really close and i think for her she was like well i'm really close and she's like whoa like let's stop like we really don't even know each other and you're doing things to me <laughs> <laughs> and now like learning like afterwards of like just other friends of women that like told me their experiences like there's just not very many men who are like wanting to do that so I think that was maybe a lot for her to like experience and be like whoa like this guy is willing to do that for me and like this is this is new you know but I'm not yeah. sure I don't want to speak for her but I don't know, it was definitely, like, a moment for both of us of, like, whoa, let's, like, figure things out first before we go any further, you know? Yeah. I think that's, <clears throat> I don't know, it's like beautiful that you were showing her so much enthusiasm because a lot of people with vulvas are socialized to feel like that part of their body is very dirty and gross. So I think yeah. it's beautiful that, like, you showed so much enthusiasm and also amazing that she felt comfortable enough to be able to tell you what she wanted and needed to because I think that sometimes people who have been socialized as women don't feel comfortable to share with their partners you know like give them tips on what they should do yeah and so uh, I, I, I agree and I think that also because I'm really trying to gauge you know like where does this like like respect and love for like my partner's bodies and yeah, I guess you could throw worshipping in there, you know, I'm a switch, you know, but, <laughs> um, I don't know, I've just always thought that women are so beautiful, and, like, no matter how their body is shaped, or even, like, their bulls, like, I really think of them like flowers, you know, like, no one really looks at a sunflower and then compares it to a rose, and they're like, oh, that's an ugly flower, you know, or, like, something's wrong with it, they're like, oh, that's just, like, a daisy or a sunflower and that's a rose and they're both equally beautiful and that's kind of how like I visualize like vulvas you know yeah and um I don't know I think birth from that experience that I had shared with her was just like this deeper form of like vulnerability and for me like um whenever I'm vulnerable with someone that I'm close with and romantic with like it really builds like the intimacy and like sexiness to me and I get you know definitely get pretty horny when <laughs> we're both honest with each other and we can kind of just let go of those fears and kind of just fall together through that experience you know yeah so being vulnerable with someone and sharing those things that it maybe feel kind of scary brings you closer and also something that like turns you on definitely yeah, yeah. and I feel like we've shared that as well you know as far as like just being honest and being able to check in with each other and just just call it what it is you know <laughs> yeah I think so too I think you know some of the best sex we've had has been around times where we've been the most vulnerable with each other yeah 
And I know for me, like, showing you my more messier sides and the sides that I feel maybe more ashamed of and, like, being able to, I don't know, have you still love me and still care for me afterwards was really meaningful. Yeah. I would say the same, you know, and I think that's, like, one of the most beautiful, like, healing things about our connection is, like, we share that same love for each other and have made time and space for that, you know, and through those experiences, a lot of great things have blossomed from that, that foundation, you know, just being honest, you know, and being vulnerable and being like, yeah, today I am very <laughs> messy or I don't have my shit together, but like, <laughs> this is where I am, this is where I live, these are my emotions, these are the things I'm still working through, you know. And um, I feel like that's a, it's a hard thing to share with someone because you, know, you don't know what they're going to do, if they're going to abandon you or say that's too much or, you know, if they're going to judge you for that. Um, but I think that gets in the way of a lot of things, especially that being intimacy, you know, if you don't really know that person, how can you like really love them the way they need to be loved, you know? This com- This part has made me think about... um the night that we were in Joshua Tree and we watched porn together. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was an amazing time. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it was interesting because I think, like I know that I've shared fantasies and shared porn with partners before, but never with you. And so that was a new step for yeah. me. It was a new step for me as well. Um, it was, a, it was a big step for me because I wasn't sure um, how you per- would perceive what I watch, you know? And um, I don't know, there was a lot of fear of that because I think that, like, while I feel humbly like I have, like, grown to have space and care and learn to let go of a lot of, like, cis, straight, you know, man things. Um, but, that, you know, at the same time, I'm still a straight man, you know? <laughs> and so I was really worried of, like, oh, my God, what if I've been watching something that's, like, been problematic and I just didn't have the lens or perspective and it's like, whoa, dude, like, <laughs> that's a little much, buddy. But, you know, it just felt I just felt seen in a way that I never shared with someone, you know? Like, I've showed, like, you know, my other man friends, like, I wouldn't say, like, all the time, but I remember, like, when I was younger, we would, like, talk about, like, porn, and it's like, ooh, what are you watching, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But not in the realms of where we were, like, where we were watching it together intimately, and then also, for me personally, like, just with the new, more detailed and loving and open and curious perspective that I have now when it comes to, like, sexuality. So, it was definitely, no, it was just definitely a beautiful time to share with you, you know? (laughs) yeah it was really it was very intimate because I think I mean it was a little scary for me to you know have you share that with me too because it is like what if this is going to show me something about this person that (laughs) I'm going to feel uncomfortable by and I think you know that is definitely a risk that I think people take when they share this kind of stuff with each other of you know it's scary to share and it's also scary to be the person like receiving it as well um but it was really beautiful to like go through that experience with you of like seeing what you fantasize about and like getting to talk about it and reassuring you and you know not feeling uncomfortable or weird about it 
And then also to share with you, you know, some of the stuff that I watch and that I enjoy as well. Like that felt a little scary too. Yeah. (laughs) What just came to mind to me was kind of like, I feel like that was a defining moment for myself of like, you talk a great game over the last few years, but like, (laughs) let us really see, you know, what you do when you're alone behind closed doors and no one is watching. And, uh, and it's not like I make decisions that way of like, oh, I got to do the thing because it's the right thing. I just do those things because I really care about those things and they are part of like how I live life. They're part of like my moral compass. And so it felt really reassuring and val- validating to feel that like, okay, what you watch is safe and like understandable and like it matches up with what you've been talking about. And also I didn't know you like, you know, booties as much as you do no, <laughs> yeah all shapes and sizes of booties yes <laughs> yeah I think what was interesting about like both of our porn choices is that it did not include either of our looks in our porn choices like yeah I don't have a big booty and I only have one tattoo yeah. <laughs> and um you know the porn that I showed you was like three women with each other and so there was no one with a penis in there <laughs> yeah. yeah I thought that it was just just as beautiful you know like I think um I took it more so as a fact like I wanted it was definitely like a peek into like your mind and like in, the, in those realms like the deeper parts of like who Kelsey is behind closed doors when no one's watching like <laughs> what you think about and it was really beautiful you know it was and I think it was nice to I don't know have that reassurance that we can both be attracted to different types of people, different people, but still be attracted and to love each other. I think so as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And kind of going off of this topic, I'm, um, you know, you kind of mentioned a journey that you've been on of, you know, not doing like the cis straight man things. Um, yeah. And I'm, like, curious about that journey and, like, how it's kind of impacted your sex life, too. Yeah, I would say it's it's impacted my sex life in a really positive way. And um, I feel like by doing those things and being on this journey, it has allowed more space for me, but also my partners. <clears throat> and I think that, like, that space is, is very sacred. And, um, like, a lot of, like, the... The straight man things that are like normalized or the way like the patriarchy talks about how sex in a, a in a straight sense you know like it's just very kind of toxic and doesn't really leave space for each other you know everyone takes on this these roles that we've kind of like been force-fed and they're always not always the most safe nor are they like things you even craved you know but you were just told by movies or society or all your other friends um, like that's the way to be that's how life works that's how sex works and um, I've had to let go of some friends I've had to call out friends I've had to be called out myself um, and it's all been like humbling things and definitely um, definitely I feel like it takes a lot of courage to do that because um, I just feel like people just don't want to change and they're like well I've been doing this you know, my life, or this is what I'm used to, or they still really want to believe that, like, this is the way that the world works, 
and it's really not. I think more people are opening their minds to it, but um, I just feel like there's still not enough because there's just certain spaces that operate that way. Um, you know, it just trickles into a lot of things, and so I would say like the ways I found myself on this journey is definitely through um, partners, which you know something that's come to mind in the recent years is like. I never intentionally did this, but all of my um, partners have always been queer women, and they've always opened up to me about their queer experiences and that as well, but also just making friends with queer people as well that are really close to me or trans, like, they've helped me kind of open my perspective and call me out on things that I did or was saying that was really problematic, and uh, it definitely didn't feel good, but I'm happy that I had the space back then to really take in what they were saying about, you know, what you're saying or what you're doing makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, and through time and just choosing because I care about this person and these people, like, I want to change for them, you know? And, you know, I feel like that has really opened my world to a lot of different connections and just spaces itself and just different lifestyles because, you know, I'm... I can accept these people for in respect and be in those spaces and just really accept them for who they are and like, I don't know, just be open about it, you know? And I feel like a lot of men, they really struggle with things that are different or they, they aren't the same. And I think some men tend to like buckle down and they try to be more masculine and more strong and more hard. And uh, it's just not the way, you know, they think there's a time and a place to be, you know, strong and hard and a brick wall. And I think there's a lot of strength and choosing to be soft and open. And so, yeah. That's really beautiful. Like coming to a place of curiosity and being open to hearing people's experience, even if it, you know, feels difficult for you because it is, you know making you reflect on something you've done or having to make you change yeah I think also um, one thing I like to add too is like with being maybe not to jump ahead in the conversation but <laughs> with being a switch and wanting to fulfill the dom roles um, I think that with straight men that are doing the doming things um, sometimes they're still carrying those tendencies of the toxic masculine and they're kind of, those things make things unsafe, you know, whereas being soft and being open and, you know, having the vulnerability um, makes you a better dom and you can do certain things and you can do them consensually and not feel like you have to be something you're not. I'm curious about how, um, you know, exploring more of your intentions and in both like being a dom, but also and exploring your subside too like how has that impacted like your kinky self and the sex you're having in kink i'd say that it's definitely helped me feel more fluid um i feel like i can adapt more and be more well-rounded and then also i feel like things don't ever feel stale you know, like just doing the same dynamics over and over again can get kind of repetitive. 
Um, but I feel like with exploring and examining those intentions and then sharing these new epiphanies or, you know, new kinks, it really like refreshes things. It refreshes the atmosphere, but also refreshes like the spark of like, oh, wow, I didn't know you were into that. And I'm like, I'm into that too, kind of <laughs> thing, you know? And so there's like a new excitement, you know, whenever just doing that, but also just, um, I think before all those things come, I think it's just like a place of like personal safety and like being able to be present. And I feel like when you do that deep dive before the bedroom, um, you don't have to do that while you're in the, in the middle of the act or when you're doing any play or you're having sex, you know, like you can just be present for that instead of having sex and being like, do I really like this? Or like, why am I doing this? Cause I feel like that can take you away from the sexual experience and therefore you're not having that deep kind of connection because you really aren't present. And I know that like, you know, it's not a hundred percent always the case, you know, we're going to go wherever we go in our minds and sex, but it's just one less thing to not really experience as often when you're doing that before you get into the bedroom. Yeah. I think sometimes if we're, you know, in the middle of play or if we're having sex, thinking about like why we like certain things yeah. can be a little bit strange and maybe take you out of your body yeah. and out of that present moment with that person. But it's definitely powerful, like before or after, to have that conversation with yourself and maybe even your partner. Yeah. Is it, can I bring up uh, an experience we'd had when we did Yeah. Uh, the impact play? Mm hmm. Um, I remember being so nervous in that, and um, I think that's why there was so much, like, it just wasn't very, like, fluid. It was kind of, like, kind of, I don't know, ir irregular flow, um, because I was asking myself, why are you doming? You know, like, do you really enjoy this? You know, does she enjoy this? Like, and uh, I didn't feel like I could really be in that role and wear that mask, because even then I still felt like I was still examining, you know, what it was, even though I was open to that experience at that time. Um, I think it just wasn't ready, you know. Um, but I true? felt like because of that, you know, that, that played out for us during that night, you know. And then different things came up for you as well when we touched base afterwards, you know. Was this the night that my roommate was out of town? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was an interesting night for me, too, because it was kind of at a time where I had been doing a lot of therapy, and then um, I had this moment of, like, why am I being a sub? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, especially for me, because some of the things around impact play are very triggering around, like, trauma I've had, and so you know, I had this moment of like, is this something that is like a powerful reclamation of this trauma or is it just reactivating it? And I think in that moment that night, I kind of realized that it was reactivating it. Yeah. And then you were going through your own journey of like, why am I doming? Why am I doming? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I feel like um, sometimes, I mean, I don't think we're like special for this or anything, but I think what I think is really beautiful is like, Sometimes we like we often mirror each other just in different ways, um, but I love that we were able to talk about it and be like, "Whoa, same though." <laughs> but I was doing it this way though. 
That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. It is. That was a kind of a shift for us, I think, that night. And I'm glad that we were able to talk yeah. about it afterwards because I think it could have been unhealthy if we weren't able to really, you know, share what was coming up for each of us. But it's definitely been exciting for me to hear about some of your experiences in the kink world because over this past year as you've been settling into LA you've gotten really involved in um, some organizations here that are putting on BDSM parties and it's been I've really loved like hearing about your experiences and seeing what you've been doing with those places and I'm wondering if you can share a little bit more about that yeah I know it's just this really beautiful organization that has been formed by local pro femdoms um, who have been in the scene and been doing things in the after hour scene as well and they've all been spaces where it's usually been you know like no offense to my fellow white men out there <laughs> but it is a different energy and in those places that they were running um, it just wasn't very safe and it didn't have those intentions. It didn't have the space and inclusivity <laughs> um, for everyone to be there, you know. And so they decided to create their own um, organization and have their own events ran by them. They are women of color. Um, they're also queer and um, really created this really sacred space to for people to come and, you know, just experience BDSM, whether if that's they want to be a part of the scenes or if they just want to watch. Because um, I feel like in different spaces, <clears throat> especially the more masculine ones um, and straight, um, the energy feels very, as soon as you walk in, it feels like people are trying to fuck you. You know, it isn't feel consensual. You're kind of, you know, even through like, what you've felt and from other friends like it those spaces feel like more just aggressive in nature you know and so um, these women they they wanted to do something different and I feel like I've experienced other places that had that same energy and I didn't like that as well and I didn't even know that something like this place um, existed that was different and so that's what they've been curating for I want to say the last year and a half and definitely stumbled upon that um, just as I, I moved here and it's definitely one of the best things for sure because also what came with that is I became close um, with them and you know began helping them with events and then we just became friends and you know now we are this like kink family kind of thing <laughs> where we are close and touchy with consent, but also just there's this other, I'm on the other side now. I never thought that I would be, you know, helping curate and, you know, also DJ and just be a part and, and just be a friend to these amazing women who are doing like, I really feel like really important work um, for the kink community here in LA and definitely leading by example. Um, because they're just very inclusive and it's always safe like and I feel like in the after hour scene in LA those places are they hardly exist where you can just walk in and feel like you can be yourself and that you're gonna be safe you know the space is clean there isn't 
you know, it's not, it's, it's decently lit. Like there's just so many things that they've really thought about with intention. And then with it being this like femme queer energy, like there's just nothing like it, you know, definitely I am a simp, but I just, that energy is so refreshing and I want, and it inspires me also to like be open to my own femininity and just that whole balance. And I just think that there's there's already so much masculine energy in the world, but it feels kind of unbalanced. And so we're just really happy to like hear about this organization that's ran by femdoms and then to also just be a part of it because the community, like this communal love is something I've never thought existed or was something I needed, but it's really helped me heal in other ways as far as like learning about intimacy and furthering that um, as well, so. It's yeah. really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can just talk forever about that place. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so, I mean, it's so amazing to have a space that is ran by queer women of color. And I feel like that really changes the energy and is a completely different feeling than the spaces that are run by, you know, like the straight white men doms that I think historically the kink community has been run by. Um, I think it's a really, I don't know, it feels like a new chapter in many ways Yeah. in the kink community to have this be one of the spaces that people can come to, to watch scenes, to meet each other, to dance, just to have fun, to play. Yeah. I'm wondering what it's like for you to be DJing at this space and kind of like where your the intersection of your love for music and also your kinkiness and all that how they intersect it's honestly like a definitely a dream come true for sure um let's say when i first started uh, my bdsm journey i've always like fantasized about you know being a dj at a dungeon and playing music because um at citadel that's what they had as well as they had a, a dj booth in the corner and then you know the rest of the room was filled with like sex furniture and different things like that and um by like a lot of different kinds of music and I feel like with this organization I was able to finally kind of like have a place to play those you know slower EDM kind of you know techno more sensual songs um that I can't really play at clubs because you know not everybody understands you know the intimacy of that behind that music um, but this community that I've found, uh, they've been really open to that. And just because like, it's like some of the music that they listen to as well. And so I would definitely say it's definitely a dream come true. And I just kind of love, like, I definitely play to the dance floor if there's a dance floor, but I really like playing to the scenes that are happening around me. Um, like the last one, it was a very heavy scene that was happening. And, uh, I saw that everyone was mostly you know, just kind of watching and being immersed in that experience with them. And so I ended up changing some of the songs that I played and played more heavier industrial music um, to kind of build that energy up for them. And I remember a lot of friends and different people coming up to me like, I don't even know what you just played. <laughs> but it was like, it made me feel like, like I was there, I was, I was him, or it just felt like a movie almost, like it was crazy. <laughs> Um, and then I had another magical moment happen um, for our carnival event. Um, 
I got to play some 60s, uh, you know, psychedelic rock and um, just like some oldies, you know, like really Grateful Dead kind of music um, because we were just doing vinyl that night. And I was really hesitant to because, you know, it's an alternative community. I didn't think many people would be, you know, kind of interested in that kind of music. Um, but the person running it, my friend, she was just like, baby, play whatever you want. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yes, ma'am. And I took them on this psychedelic journey and, you know, played some uh, Nancy Sinatra. You know, I played some Quicksilver Messenger Service and this whole time... Our other friend was doming at that time, and uh, I wasn't there for it because I couldn't see the stage, but she, my friend, she came back that was running it, and she was like, you don't know what you just did, and I was like, what do you mean? Like, what did I do? <laughs> She's like, I don't know what happened or if you knew what was going on, but everything you played for that whole scene just went together so good, because I think music for me... Even though it, it is for me and it helps me, you know, explore my passions, explore my emotions, I, I think music has always, it's a close second of like, it's for the people, it's for the environment, it's to share, you know? And so I think I'm just really grateful to have found a place like this that's doing so many things right and still growing, um, just to be a part of in the ways that I am. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful to be a part of it and also to be one of the ones helping create it and shape it with you know your ideas and your music and like the impact that you have in the space as well yeah. I know we've been talking for quite some time and yeah. I originally promised you that this was going to be like 30 minutes <laughs> um, so I'm wondering if there's anything else that you'd like to share on like the topic of sex and music um, um, I don't know I guess it's we're doing you know like your, your sex podcast um, I just want to share this message of just like anyone everyone listening to this of just like um, just be honest with yourself be honest with yourself first and give space for yourself first and you know inspire you to then share that with people you trust before you know, anything goes on because it can be really hard to be honest with yourself because sometimes being honest means saying no to something. And sometimes being honest may be being saying yes to something else, you know, but um, I, don't know, I think that's the, the greatest lesson that I've learned throughout my sexuality and, and experiences of being open is just just being honest, you know, so yeah. And be safe out there. You know, there's a lot of, it's <laughs> a lot of great things out there too, you know. And, and through that, is through vulnerability, my friends. <laughs> so yeah. That's really powerful. Um, I'd love to hear like what things that you're working on. Where can people find you on the social medias? But also, what events do you have coming up that people might enjoy coming to and you know exploring a piece themselves so they can maybe know what to say yes and no to for themselves yeah um i'd say you know right now i'm, I'm definitely in school doing the whole music production program um released some music on my soundcloud 
and that you can search in SoundCloud sad hippie cowboy it's like all one word it doesn't make much sense because to be honest sometimes I feel my music doesn't make sense but it is a mixed mash of genres and vibes and so you can find me on there on SoundCloud and then for Instagram um, I post various different events and things but you can find me on Instagram at cocoa butter curtains and underscore and uh it's coco with like an a um don't ask me how i found that name either doesn't make sense it just is <laughs> <laughs> and i know that you have um an r&b night coming up in june oh yes yes the r&b night um it's just basically a place for just artists and you know, and, and musicians can meet, you know, we have right now, we've just started with DJs because this is our first event. Um, but our plan is to have, with more time, you know, like other live performers as well as DJs. But also this time we're doing the DJs and then in the space we're going to have like a gallery kind of thing. So maybe four or five different painters, they'll have their paintings up. And then, you know, just a few different vendors of just like either clothing um, or jewelry or whatever you make, even if it's just chokers, like just artists and artists in general, but you know, artists and musicians is coming together and having a space on a Thursday night to kind of just chill. Um, I felt like there wasn't anything like that for like contemporary R&B and places where like, you know, people around my age in their late twenties can come together and listen to like, you know, the OG Erica Badu kind of things. You know, but also like the newer things, you know, like Jordan Reiki or you know, something, you know. Um, so, yeah, just a place of vibes, just a place of connection. So that'll be on June 8th as well. Pretty excited for that. It's amazing. Yeah. And I will link your SoundCloud and your Instagram on the show notes um, so people can find those places and find more information about the event. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kingston, for sitting down and having this conversation with me. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me to do this. It was a, it was a beautiful time. <laughs>